So you're about to break, call like a thousand dollars a month, right? You, you, you yeah, that here yeah, shortly. that, that ballpark. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Phil Reynolds. He's currently the CEO and co-founder of DevStride. Previously, he led Brightcore to Series B, led by Warburg Pincus at 180 million post. And then he's recently closed 3.3 million pre-seed to build and grow DevStride, which is strategic portfolio management for agile teams. Phil, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thanks, Nathan. All right. So no bootstrapping for you, huh? It's, it's VC or bust. <laughs> well, I bootstrapped my last company um, for quite a while. And um, what Which I learned in that, that process, Bright, Brightcore. And so Brightcore for, was uh, bootstrapped for quite a few years. And we really enjoyed that. We enjoyed growing the company and more you know, lifestyle. Uh, but what I learned at the end of it, by the time I went and raised money was, boy, I could have got a lot done a lot faster <laughs> had I just gone out and raised money to begin with. Mm-hmm. And what what are some things you could have done faster? You think, and give us some context. Like, how many years did you bootstrap, and what did you grow revenue to before you raised out, outside capital? Yeah, so the, the last company we started out doing like quoting systems for uh, insurance agents, and we ran that totally bootstrapped for about five years. Didn't raise capital wow. from anyone. Uh, got approached by a group of our customers to build a core admin system, and then we did a, a seed round, uh, which helped and got us to market. Didn't win there seven years before we raised a Series A, mm. and then did a Series A, and eighteen months later did a Series B, and eighteen months later I exited the company. So we kind of did the the standard, uh, you know, founder VC led uh, growth path in the last three years of the company's history. But I did it for sixteen years, you know, in aggregate. That's amazing. And and how patient were you? I mean, what did you grow revenue to before your first dollar of external capital? Yeah. So for the, before the first dollar of external capital, we were up to about 900,000 a year in, okay. in ARR. And then, uh, you know, we raised that money, took it to, um, about 5 million and then went from 5 million to about 20 million and, um, heading to the series B. And so it, you know, it accelerated quite a bit quicker after we raised some money, I guess more resources. What, what was the growth unlock there? Was it just more like on ads, more engineers? What was it? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of things. A lot of it's product market fit in, uh, so, you know, what I did previously was enterprise software. What I'm doing now is very much enterprise software. DevStride is all about, um, orchestrating, you know, complex portfolios in agile teams doing really complicated work. And, yep. uh, those enterprise customers need enterprise features. And it's just really difficult to build that with, you know, two or three people bootstrapped in a garage somewhere. Uh, you need real, you know, professionals with real resources, real access to customers. And so it was just, just unlocking all of that made a huge difference. Yeah. A lot of founders in 20, during COVID were doing down rounds, right? The world is a crazy yeah. place. People were like, I don't care. Just give me the money. You, you have, you know, when you look at your bright core history, right? 47, 48 million from Warburg pre COVID, right? And then in the middle of COVID, right? Series C <laughs> for a lower amount, 20 million. That has sounds, signs of a down round all over it, which is not a negative thing. That's yeah. your job as the founder is not run out of cash. So just a curiosity, I mean, was it a down round? Yeah. So, so when Brightcore raised that money, it was one of those, hey, we see winter coming and yeah. we know that it's going to be a while. So let's go ahead and capitalize now and make everything um, stabilize the company so we can weather this storm. And we, you know, it was all the indicators I'm sure everyone else has talked about on your show, we were seeing those same things. Yeah, and that was the one that was at the 180 post, right? That, that, no, that was actually uh, the, the Series C round, which is different. The 180 post was a Series B round. 
And that was, ah, got uh, it. that was only 18 months after a 60 million valuation, our series A. So, so we tripled our valuation in, in an 18 month window there. Got it. So the 13.5 was the A, the 47.5 was the B. It was the B. Yep. I see. So 47 into 180. So, okay. So you sold about 27, 28% of the business in the B. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And then did you stay with the company through exit or you left between B and C? Yeah, so I, I left between B and C. I wasn't I wasn't at the helm right at the tail end there. So the C closed a couple of months after I exited the company. Yeah, and now is this your brother you're building this with? You have the same last name. It was it was my cousin. It was my cousin Chris uh-huh. Reynolds. Yeah. So he stuck around. No, he didn't actually. He exited the company a year before me. So he exited right after the Series B. He was like Series B, and the, the nature of this has changed enough, and I think I want to do something else. And I stuck in there for another eighteen months, uh, you know, being founder guy, running the company with the private equity firm. But it was definitely a different world. Yeah, yeah, completely different. Okay, so you take all those learnings, you yeah. then launch DevStrike. Why you could do anything in the world, right? I mean, you're a founder yeah. that had, you know, you built something. It doesn't even matter really if it was a successful exit or not. You built it, you raised, you had got customers, you have twenty million in revenue, yeah. you do whatever you want. Why was DevStrike the right way to use your time? So I had this really nasty problem at Brightcore that I was never able to solve with existing project management tools. Um, and it, it goes a little something like this. If you're a meaningfully sized enterprise software team, you probably have multiple products. And those multiple products have their own sort of like roadmaps that are going like this over time. But if you're an enterprise, you're also implementing those multiple products for multiple customers and they have their own timelines that they're trying to hit for their implementation. Mm-hmm. If you take a layer into that, a Series B private equity firm who has their own ROI calculations on when they want to see certain things get, you know, they've invested, as you said, $47 million, I want to see a return on this. You're not trying to manage kind of this, this dimensional data problem. Uh, I have these projects and it's just one, one team, one project, I have like an authentication module or I have a payments module or whatever it is, but there's all these different stakeholders that need different things out of it and they'll have different roadmaps. And I could never solve that problem uh, at, at Brightcore. And it led to all sorts of, you know, pain and complication in, in the process. And I wanted to go solve that now. And so DevStride is really, in many ways, just me scratching my own itch of the single biggest annoyance <laughs> I had to deal with running and growing my previous company. That makes tons of sense. This is what you call founder market fit, right? This is a very hard <laughs> thing to get, which and some, some would argue it's actually more important today than even product market fit. So, so yeah. tell us what you're building today. Tell us about some of the customers that are using you and how they're using you. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're, we're doing strategic portfolio management for, for agile teams. And what that really means is what makes it different from, I, I know you've had Zeb on before with ClickUp and ClickUp's yeah. an amazing product. Monday's an amazing product. They're all amazing. Uh, they're all solving a different problem than we are. Um, they're solving sort of like, you know, project-based work where I come in on a click things off a task list. Uh, what we're really trying to solve is I, I have these complex overlays on these roadmaps and mm-hmm. I have to assign work to, to teams, have one team, but the one team is accepting work for many different work streams. And I have to report out on all those different work streams independently to different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what we're doing. We're bu- building a project management tool that solves that particular problem for teams who are trying to, you know, make multiple stakeholders happy in multiple different work streams. So who are who are the stakeholders that most of your DevStride customers today are reporting out to? Is it the board? Is it a senior engineer? Like who's the who's that stakeholder? Yep, it's going to be typically going to be three. It's going to be the executive at the company who says, "Hey, what are we doing here?" It's going to be the board who says, "What is my ROI on the investment that I gave you?" And it's mm-hmm. going to be some number of enterprise customers who say, hey, when's my project going to be live? When am I going to be able to implement yeah. this system? That makes a lot of sense. Okay, very interesting. And, and, and then give me sort of a range here. What's the average customer paying you per month to use this technology? So really, really small right now. So we just announced a pre-seed round 
last week. <laughs> and so we are, we turned on our subscription system to begin accepting our first dollar from our first customer two days ago. Oh, and I so love this. This is a perfect moment. This is such a cool moment. So real quick, new. What, totally what was new. the size? So how much did you raise? Okay. So we raised 3.3 million on our pre Okay. Round. Got it. And now listen, your ability to do that at, at any valuation is really a hundred percent based on your ability to tell a story in the slide deck because you have yes. no revenue. There's no metrics to go off of. Yeah, right? so to what, go off of. How good was your story? What valuation did you raise that at? Okay, so we raised that at an $8 million pre. And so okay. we, we negotiated the pre to be stable. And then the amount we raised would be the amount that we diluted beyond that. Yep, 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 yep. So really it was three into 12 posts. So you sold about 25% of the business. Yeah, real, real close to that. Okay, Th that's actually pretty freaking impressive considering like VC markets are shut down right now, right? So what name, how are you close to Dan Kerr? Why'd he lead the round? How'd you get that done? <laughs> uh, well, it's a, a couple of factors. Uh, one of them is that, you know, at Brightcore was a very successful company. It was well known in uh, the property casualty insurance space, and so was we had Dan a an investor in Brightcore. No, he wasn't. But okay. but Brightcore was originally founded in Springfield, Missouri, and I'm located in Kansas City, Missouri. And so regionally, we're you know three hours apart from each other. And I live in Kansas City now. Um, so, so part of it was they knew of the story. They'd watched you know me from a distance for a while. Um, another part of the story is that um, there are a number of companies in the local regional area here in Kansas City who are struggling with this exact problem right now. And through a whole sort of like, you know, a serendipitous series of conversations and circumstances, uh, some of the gentlemen from Flyover happened to be in a room with some people at a big company that were trying to solve this exact problem. And they're like, huh, that's weird. I just talked to somebody who's trying to solve this problem too. And so, uh, you know, that's dumb, dumb luck on my part as much as anything there. Um, and then I think also just, you know, trying to be able to put together a really thoughtful, uh, projection, you know, all of the, the why now, why this, you know, all of that. So, you know, it's not my first time putting together a deck that a VC would want to see. Yep. Yep. So what does in that projection, uh, you know, towards the end, maybe even in the appendix of that pre-seed deck, wh what does it say you're going to test out in terms of the pricing to start? Okay. Yeah. So at the moment we have, um, two SAS tiers. There's a third SAS tier coming, uh, next year at the moment it's uh professional and business are the two. And so, mm -hmm. Uh, professional, we're very much indexing off of other competitors in a similar space. So professional starts out at about eight bucks a month per license and yep. um, professional starts out at about $24 a month uh, per, per license. Yep, and yep, so yep. it's it's really, um, it's a very uh, low price point, low barrier to entry. And that's by design um, because yep. this particular space is one, it's very crowded. There's a lot of lot of players here and you, you can't come in and charge, you know, thousands of dollars for, for licenses yep. where no one would use you. Folks, as you know, time and place is everything, especially in marketing. But in today's age of a million messages a minute and not enough hours in a day, how can you actually catch your target's attention? Well, there is a simple way, and many of you guys are testing this already. LinkedIn can help you speak to the right people at the right time. With LinkedIn becoming number one B2B display advertising in the US, you really have an advantage if you can get it right, right? So you can stand out against your competitors on nurturing customer relationships, growing your brand. Uh, they can get you quality and quantity with their targeting tools, which means your ads are see being seen by really people who matter. And so it's no wonder why companies of all sizes are using it. Take main Street, a company that helps venture-backed startups claim tax credits. They increased their annual recurring revenue by $12 million with LinkedIn's marketing solutions. I really encourage you guys to try out LinkedIn. Scale your marketing, grow your business with LinkedIn advertising. So here's the deal. As a thank you to their customers for helping them grow three times faster than the competition, LinkedIn's offering a $100 credit on your next campaign. You can 
access it by going to linkedin.com slash SaaS interviews to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com forward slash SaaS interviews. Break this down for us. There's a lot of my listeners right now that have built side projects that have a good user base, but either they're nervous to ask someone to pay they maybe don't know. Maybe if they're a business person, they don't know how to launch the paywall, like to, you know, like to use a Stripe, yeah. like we actually launch yeah. the paywall, or there's other reasons they don't have a paying customer yet. So do you, just true or false, you do have, has, have you closed at least one customer yet, or are you still waiting to do that? We have two. Okay, <laughs> so, so that's amazing. I love yeah. that. So tell us Thanks. how you got, tell us, the, don't name the customer, but the first okay. customer you closed, how did yeah. it happen? Okay, the first customer I closed was a consulting firm who was trying to solve this exact problem. They were implementing software, the same piece of software over and over again for multiple customers. And they just had this problem and, and I knew them through my own personal network and they heard what I was doing. They reached out and said, Hey, I'd really like to like to launch this. And so, um, to, to the point about charging, uh, a lesson I learned a long time ago in building enterprise software is your software is worth what you say it's worth a lot of times, uh, early on. And so if you tell people it's worth nothing and you offer a freemium tier, then it's kind of worth nothing. <laughs> so, 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 so th- that's something that I always try to, to just price it even with what's the value and did a lot of market research on what are people willing to pay? What makes sense for everyone? Yep. That makes a ton of sense. Um, okay. Got it. So, so they, now how did you close them though? Right. Did they say run a, let's run a project for free for three months. And if it works well, then we'll sign up for a $10,000 a month plan. Or like, how did you get on board? Close, close. We actually did something a little different in our, in our early group, as we were in this initial build phase for the last 18 months, um, we set up some advisory boards and I strategically invited, um, some people to that advisory board that I knew might be future users of my software. Number one, because they're experts in the space and they know how to advise and guide the team on building the best possible tool. And also because along the way, they feel more and more invested in the tool. And therefore, when the tool is ready to launch, ready to be live, they're the, you know, they're natural early adopters. Mm-hmm. That makes tons of sense. I see some people actually putting this on their PLs and what they call them as product roadmap acceleration fees. And it's, the, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the right. It's, they build an advisory board. It. The advisor says, well, what if you have this? And you say, well, hey, we'll sell you that, but you got to pay this fee, which is a product roadmap acceleration fee. They build it and they launch it and there's revenue. I love it. I love there's an acronym for everything. It makes me happy. <laughs> product PR. AF praf 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 there you go <laughs> I, I need to add right, that cool. to my projections so I know I know okay so you started coding this then it sounds like 18 months ago at the first line of code yeah, yeah we did okay. and so we, we did an angel round then and um the way we did that was I so again I exited my previous company sitting on uh you know some capital and so uh my wife who's also a co-founder in the business and I um, we, we funded the initial, uh, 18 months of runway. How much did you guys put in yourself? Personally. We put in 500,000 ourselves. Does that make you nervous to start? No, not at all. I, I have 100% confidence. <laughs> I, I know what we're going to do. But give that context. I mean, for, for, to a billionaire, 500 grand is nothing to someone that's yeah. a college student, 500 grand is the world, right? So yeah. give us some context for you. Was that like all your savings or was it a smart risk? Yeah, yeah, or? no, no, yeah. That, that's probably, that's Five to ten percent of the okay. total amount of liquid capital so I have meaning, available. It, me, meaningful, yeah. but if it fails, it's not extremely exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can afford for it to fail. Yeah, everyone's different. See, some people they won't have success unless they put everything in. Then they they're yeah. forced to make it work. Other people don't like that stress. They want to take a five to ten percent risk, like what you're doing, and and so that's how they do it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so have you already spent that five hundred k? Uh, yeah, we spent that and that was, well, I, technically there's another 50,000 or so of that left, but I mean, right now we raised the seed round, the pre-seed round on purpose because we needed to do that to accelerate. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That angel round you raised in 2021, how much was that for? So, so that, that was, that was the amount I just said, the 500,000 that was, Oh, that oh, oh you were hundred yeah, percent of the angel. Round. We were the, well, it was us and the other two founders kicked in a couple, you know, $10,000 each. Or I, see, but, I see. I yeah, see. I yeah. see. Okay. Got it. So that was like pre pre-seed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, yeah. Truly angel, truly an idea on a napkin at that point. Yeah. 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 Did you put that in? I mean, since it was your money and you controlled the, 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 the paper, I mean, was that a convertible note? No, actually we, we, I, I, really am a fan of straightforward equity deals um, okay. for a lot of reasons, um, which we won't get into in, in this time frame. But uh, I, I really liked that. And not only that, but I did not ask for any sort of a, a ratchet or leverage. Yeah. And so um, the way we set it up, um, there's myself, my wife, uh, Kui Tim Hoja, and another gentleman, Aaron Salaf, who are the founders. There's four of us. Mm -hmm. And the two of us kicked in the cash. We took 50% of the equity. The other two of them uh, really brought a lot of uh, additional engineering uh, gravitas to the table. And they're fabulous. And so we gave them the other 50% of the equity. That makes tons of sense. Okay. But you're pricing the round here, right? Because it's your own money and it's priced. So what valuation did you come up with for yourself? So that would have been 500,000 for the company at that point in time. So oh, sorry, is. sorry. It would, have, it would have been a million for the company, uh, 500,000 yeah. for 50%. Sorry, a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The total valuation. Yeah. That makes tons of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I love this origin story. Okay, so there's four like co-founders, you, your wife, yeah. and two folks that helped a lot on the engineering. How many folks are full-time on the team today? Okay, so today there are seven that are full-time. Okay. Uh, so we hired uh, three more full-time in this last month. Uh, but we also, one of the things that I've done, and I think it's really powerful uh, shift since I started my last company, uh, which is again 15 years ago now, uh, there are all these uh, subscription-based services now that you can go out and subscribe to. There's people like Pilot that do your bookkeeping and Gusto that will do payroll and HR for you and CorpNet that will do compliance. And so part of how we're able to do that is we have um, about 10 different contracting firms that are managing different uh, value streams for us that uh, you would have had to have hired for full-time you know, 10 years ago. And now you can run get me, run me through a couple. Run me through a couple of those. Yeah, so 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 one of them. So let's, let's go. Uh, bookkeeping is Pilot. Um, okay. Compliance is CorpNet. Um, payroll when it's domestic U.S. is Gusto. Payroll when it's international is Deal. Um, okay. We have obviously legal support through Lowenstein Sandler's our, our law firm. They're wonderful there. Um, we have uh, marketing, SEO, and all of that through a firm called uh, Tactica. Uh, we have Tactica, sales. Spell that. Spell that. Tac Tactica. T A C T. T-A-C-T-I-C-A. <laughs> Tactica. And is that like a marketplace to hire marketing and SEO people? No, it's actually a firm out of uh, Kosovo. And one of my co-founders is in Kosovo. I have this meaningful uh. engineering overlap in my previous company, a large team in Kosovo. And so uh, it's actually an amazing place for startups and engineering talent and marketing talent. Uh, going yeah, back yeah, to the Balkan yeah. War Peninsula 25 years ago. This is this is seotactica.com. You see, I love yep, this. This is gold because so many great capital vision founders now are doing this. It's like five yeah. full-time and then 15 contractors. Yeah. The hard part is finding the firm to contract with. And the that, right firm. The is right so firm, yeah. right? Yeah. You can trust. go through 10 SEO firms before you find you know, yeah. SEO Tactica. Yeah. And, and they're, so what, they're what, awesome are, what are two other it. examples of that? So do you have one for sales? Yeah, so I do. Um, we use Barnett Strategies here in Kansas City. Um, Barnett. Chris Barnett was a uh, he was a previous founder slash exiting uh, sales leader, revenue leader for a couple of different startups that have been successful here in the Kansas City area. Left and decided to start his own firm doing sales and doing fractional sales. And so his firm is helping support us on sales. So for example, we just set Salesforce up uh, last month, and his firm he came and helped us set it all up. 
Yeah. Interesting. Will he also give you like two fractional SDRs to take 30 calls a month or does he do all yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a BDR function going there. We have a direct outreach function. Yeah. Uh, next week I'm going to a fairly high profile sales event. He's coming with me there just so he can kind of learn how I pitch the product and all of that. It's great. This makes tons of sense. Okay. Are there any other, for, what about development? Um, development, we keep totally in house. Uh, I okay. do not fully trust development to go out the door at this early stage. And yeah. I'm really fortunate that in my last company, it was a very engineering heavy firm and we had very strict hiring standards and we also hired internationally. And so I have several hundred engineers that were on my payroll before and 150 of them have reached out and said, Hey, as soon as you can hire me, please do. That's <laughs> so, amazing. So yeah, I've got a, I've got a deep bench of engineers. I, I don't need to engineering outsourcing for 10 years. That's amazing. I love this. Okay, cool. Hey, before we wrap up with the famous five, so what's your, you know, you, you just launched pricing. You've got two, wh those two customers, what they're paying 30, 40 bucks a month or what are they at? Uh, no, they're, they're at a few hundred a month. Okay, month. cool. So you yeah. know, so, okay, so you're about to break call like a thousand dollars a month, right? You, you, you've yes, that here yeah, that, that ballpark. Yeah. What do you think you get to by the end of the year? There's, you know, three, four months left. I would like to see us be at probably 5,000 a month at the end of the year, ideally. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Favorite book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Ooh, um, I actually really, really like Zeb. I think he's, he's yeah. interesting to me. He's different than me. And I like that he's yeah. different. Yeah, he's very cool. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building DevStride? Ooh, favorite online tool for building DevStride? I'm going to pick an unconventional one here, and I'm going to say Pilot, because the the ability to outsource my bookkeeping has saved me an enormous amount of time. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, most people are paying four, five, six grand for a fractional oh, yeah. CFO. I imagine Pilot probably comes in, what, slightly under that, right? $600 a month. Yeah, yeah. And they, they'll do taxes too? Yeah, and you have to pay 2000 a year for taxes. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Three to five. Um, how do you do that's not healthy, or you're just a <laughs> superman. How do you do that? Um it's <laughs> Starbucks. Fair, fair. Okay, fair. And what's your situation? Well, we know you're married, but uh, do you have kids? Yeah, I have a 15-year-old and a three-year-old who I oh love dearly and love spending all my time with. You're very busy. Okay, and how old are you? I'm 42. 42. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, it matters more who you know than what you know. Mm, I love that. All right, guys, there you have it. Devstride.com. His first company, Bright Corey Bootstrap, for seven years, grew to about a million in revenue and said, you know what? It's time to put the pedal to the metal. He went out and raised a bunch of capital, grew it to five million in revenue, then 20 million in revenue, then left the company, then recently sold. He used a bunch of that money, 500K, him and his wife, to put into the new company, Devstride.com, which is helps you manage agile practices to report out to key stakeholders like your board, management, or customers that care about the next product release. He just launched his paywall, which we love. He's got folks right now, he's got about, uh, what, seven, uh, seven full time, another call it 15-ish contractors, 3.3 yeah. uh, pre-seed round raised at a 12.3 post, sold about 25% of the company, but really focused on now scaling up to five grand a month by the end of the year. We'll see what happens. All right. Thank you so much, Bill, for taking us to the top. Thanks a ton, Nathan.